for a WeChat workout. WeChat. Go, go, go to the Cliff Central account. Tap connect. Then message to show. On radio. On radio. More of the good stuff. CliffCentral.com. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Dr. Cindy Van Sale. You can catch me on Twitter at DocCindy, D-O-C-S-I-N-D-I. And we're back this morning between now and 10 a.m. for the half hour. And this morning's um, guest is really special because there's one thing that um, that I love, which is technology. I really appreciate technology. And I love it when people embrace technology to improve health. So we have with us, joining us um, um, by telephone, Con Burtish, who's a cancer survivor. And his journey with cancer led him to 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 create the app that um you know that we're going to be speaking about this morning. So Con um, was diagnosed with cancer in 2006 and um his experience I mean he he's a cancer survivor because in 2013 um he was declared um um healthy but his experience with with everything the doctors oncologists neurologists just all his experiences in the hospital setting is what then led him to to create this app. And what he has in mind is that he wants people who are who have cancer to um you know to be able to to learn to grow and to share their skills with regards to just living day to day how to boost your immune system and and you know and things like that and when i look at the work that i do because i work with hiv i look at the i look at how i've used um social media and technology as it were to inform people so my job is to make sure that when you go to your doctor you know exactly what to ask to get the most out of your consultation, you know, and that's what social, that's what, that's what technology has afforded us, you know. So let's see if we have Con back online. Okay. So anyway, um, so Con will tell you, I'll be asking him about, about which particular cancer he was diagnosed with and he'll be sharing a lot about that. And I'll also be asking him, um, you know, what his plans are and, um, how he plans to fund this, this app, because obviously these things cost money. He'll be sharing a lot about that and how we can help him to make this app work. I mean, especially in South Africa where I know that a lot of people in, in, in not so, um, advantaged communities suffer from cancer. They need as much information as they can get. And I mean, everyone has access to, to this, to, you know, to smartphones and technology. I know this because of the people that I help, but how will they be able to access cons, cons, um, um, yeah, app. So good morning, con. Good morning, Dr. Sandy. Great to have you with me. And thank you so much for joining us on this cold morning. I know it's raining where you are. It is, it is, but it's, it's kind of gray and cool. We've got some 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 dark, misty, zombie-like clouds <laughs> and mist, which is interesting. Okay. Well, Con, you know, I mean, I read a bit about you, Um, you know, over, I've been reading about you over the weeks. And I think, for me, it's always amazing to meet someone who has taken the experience and is willing to turn it around to benefit other people. Thank you. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of a... It's kind of a job that's been that's been kind of given to me by by going through this this process and and ending up um, surviving it um, and kind of by creating uh, assisted by creating my own kind of way of dealing with it, which I think I think can really help other people. Yeah, and I mean just to take us back, just to give us a bit of history, you were diagnosed with cancer in 2006, but the thing is, your cancer. Is ex- was extremely rare. So, I mean, even if you went to Google, even if you even if you went back to the literature, there wasn't much about the particular cancer that you had. So, just talk us through that. Yeah. So, so when I was diagnosed with the cancer, I had obviously I had experienced a whole lot of strange kind of happenings in my body and and in my brain. Um, things weren't connecting. Um, I was writing some things, and I wasn't able to perform. 
some simple numbers, like writing a note. Uh, my 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 writing suddenly went, you know, went, and it was like a great kind of three learners kind of handwriting. Yeah. And I was getting all these headaches, and and um, and then I eventually went for the the brain scan, and and there was the tumor. Well, I went for an MRI scan, and we we found a tumor on the back of my back of my brain, and and that was causing all kinds of problems between you know disconnection between the left and right hemisphere of my brains, and it was, because it was blocking the the, the central column of, of brain fluid, which which flows down your spinal column. Yeah. All that brain fluid was building up in my head, um, causing these headaches as the tumor grew larger. So once I went in for uh, the multiple surgery, the yeah. first one was to get, you know, just to get the pressure out, to relieve the pressure. The first operation was literally a hole in my, almost the top of my head. And I woke up with a, it was like a, a tube running straight out of my head. It was like a liquid fruit. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, before the, the surgeries began, um, I had to sign a form, and the form you'd normally have to sign before any kind of micro brain surgery. Um, and it was it was a pretty heavy form because it it really said, you know, we going we were going operating on the brain, and you might even if it was successful, you might lose some things. You have to sign this form to make sure that you know there's no legal issues around it. Mm, like a disclaimer. And, and, yeah, I just came as saying, you know, you you might lose some senses, you know, like your sense of sight or or speech, yeah. all these kind of big things, which which I needed for my, you know, this is what I do. I'm a I'm a writer, a conceptual person, and a you know a, a communicator by trade. Mm. So so really, at that point, I decided to um, to prepare my brain because I believe in in the, in the link between the mind and the body, your your mind runs your body. So I thought I could have some effect on on preparing myself and my brain for you know for what was about to happen or these these kind of you know to be digging around in there with scalpels and trying to get things out. And I certainly didn't want to lose any of my senses. Yeah. So I I prepared it to be this bouncy this bouncy brain, and I imagined it as as this flexible thing, this, this little agile kind of thing, no matter what the, they they dug around, no matter what they took out of my brain, it would bounce back into sh- I actually called it the bouncy brain. Yeah. And I had a sound for it, gwong, with this <laughs> weird little sound. I know, it's so cool. And when I, well, at the time it wasn't. At the time I took it quite seriously. Yeah. And I wrote, a, I did a whole lot of sketches around this bouncy brain. I imagined... I would imagine you're probably a little bit too young, but I don't know. I don't know your age. But in the 80s, yeah. there was this product called um, Magic Putty. Okay. It came in like an egg, and I would imagine it was this bouncy kind of putty stuff. It was a craze, and um, I imagine my brain as this flexible thing that would bounce and go guang guang, <laughs> bounce back into shape. I thought it was so weird because when I was being wheeled into brain surgery, yeah. Both times, I was lying there going, guang, guang. <laughs> and I know that the, the poor interns who were pushing me into the, into the surgery were probably thinking, oh, oh Lord, this guy's already, he's yeah, already gone. We haven't gone. even touched him. You know, we he's haven't a lost even case. touched him. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that first iteration, that was the thing that, 
became a constant diet for me over the course of the, the year of and more treatments of of how I dealt with with cancer was that yeah. I I created roles for myself to play a part in my own healing. Yeah. Um, and then also connected my mind completely to a very focused direction uh, to parts of my body that needed to be either um, prepared or to be stronger or to be flexible. Um, and in doing so, I, I began. I didn't really realize at the time what I was doing, but subsequently I've been researching this approach for for the last three or four years. Yeah. And what I was doing was I was tapping into the the science of psychoneuroimmunology, which is just this incredible natural thing that we as humans have. Um, is how how you feel emotionally about mm. something, how that affects the the biology of of yourself, how your body behaves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, it's 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 like we're carrying this 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 almost this opportunity to heal to a point, you know. And mm-hmm. and and I never say, you know, without medicine, geez, you you take whatever you can get, you know. That's why I made sure I did everything when it came to my cancer. It was radiation, the multiple surgeries, the chemotherapy. Um, I did it all. But what I did on top of that was that I made it my own, and I engaged with it, and I tried to think, okay, what is this treatment doing to my body? And then how can I help my body to make it more effective? Or how can I prepare my body for potentially a lot of the, the side effects of those, those very invasive um, treatments of, of chemotherapy and, and radiation and, and surgery? And I see so, from the work that I do, Con, I mean, just to, just to um, you know, jump yeah. in there. I mean, with HIV, I always say to the, to the clients that, like 99% of it is in your mind. So, you know, first and foremost, before I give you the medication, I want you to know that you need to have hope. You need to tell yourself that everything is going to be okay. And that's why my my mantra is HIV stands for hope is victory. Because without hope, without you having spoken to yourself beforehand, then there's no point. I can give you all the medication in the world, but if you haven't, Decide yeah. that you want to live. You want to get exactly. better. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to no, get better. No, completely. I think that's spot on. I mean, it, it, it is that. And the, the links between how you feel about something um, and, and the effect that it has on your, on your body. I mean, if you, and I think this is one of the things that I'm trying to tackle with Cancer Dojo is, so, so like AIDS, cancer is, is the scary thing. It's this really scary thing mm. that, that, that um, actually... It, it completely disables people because mm. it's so scary. They don't know how to deal with it. Oh, and then they, they literally become the traditional patient mm. who is just helpless and hoping that the drugs will work. Well, look, but, and I think it's for us as well. I think yeah. um, as, a, as a healthcare provider, as a medical doctor, um, I, I think when we relay news about someone being diagnosed with cancer or with HIV, the way we say it, determines the course Completely. of the disease. I promise yes. you, if I come to you and I'm all drab, oh, con, I'm so sorry, you yeah. have cancer. It, like, if, if that's my opening line, no, what, am I, what do I expect from you thereafter? Exactly. I think you, so you, I think you're, this is the, for me, this is what I, so I've been speaking to a lot of doctors over the last two years and obviously with, throughout my treatment of, of eight years is that there is a real shift towards this because before, the, so the interesting thing is like placebo effect yeah. is the placebo effect, which is actually that's psychoneuroimmunology. That, mm. that is the effect of it. Um, but there's also the nocebo effect, which mm. is 
the negative aspect of again, like how you position a, a disease to somebody. Yeah. Um, and I think there is this great move towards the kind of participatory model between the, the healthcare person yes. um, and the patient becoming kind of a, a yeah, you know, it's a partnership of like understanding who the person is and how how I can deliver a message in a way which then gives them gives them not only hope but gives them something that they can they can hang on to and maybe exactly. even a, and this is what I'm trying to propose is is actually a role a role that they can take as a human because as soon as you've got a role as a patient are you really a patient or actually are you part of your healing Exactly. Because there's a very big difference. Exactly, Con. And, and, you know, I mean, this, this will be very interesting. I think it would be great to have you even going into medical schools and, I mean, during the block or where we learn about cancers and so on, just giving a talk because it started medical school. You know, because, you know, in medical school, the way we speak to patients, we learn from our seniors, we learn from our professors. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it starts there. So, you know, it'd be really great to have you giving talks at medical schools, Con. That's something that you That'd should, be great. You really should consider. Is, yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that, I feel like as a, as somebody who's been through this and, and experienced it, I was lucky enough to have a really, um, forward thinking oncologist who allowed me to explore and experiment. And he, he really, he really gave me confidence that, you know, I'm, I'm do my thing, whatever it was. And some of my stuff was quite crazy and, and, you know, silly, but it worked for me. Mm. And I think, more of that open-mindedness, which is a, a movement in the medical fraternity, which mm. is amazing because, um, Dr. Cindy, I mean, it's quite interesting how when I resigned from my work to pull the, to, to try and make, to make this idea happen, because it's just one of those things now that I have to do. Yes. Um, I was very surprised by the amount of uh, medical support that I got from doctors, mm-hmm. from doctors, psychologists, oncologists, uh, even professors of science um, are, are going like, this is really interesting, Con. You really need to do this. Mm. So I've got a long list of, of very highly uh, accoladed um, doctors going, this is a very fresh approach to to how to deal with medicine. Yeah. And not only that, I think because of my background as a creative director for the last 12 years, yeah. especially in the last three years where I, I've been the creative director of a large digital company, actually the, one of the largest in, in Africa. Yeah. And, and the use of, of technology and how technology and creativity are, and together with mobile technology specifically, is you're carrying something around with you that can really provide you with tools and that can help you. Because one of the other issues is that when you're facing something so scary, yeah. every, you know, a lot of people have, have advice, you know, be positive, stay positive, mm. Con, or like be strong. It's, like a, it's like a knee-jerk reaction. Yes. But how do you, how do you just stay positive? Because it's hard. Yeah. It's just hard. So what, one of the things that I'm building is I'm trying to build the tools to help people stay positive because mm. it's very easy to say it. It's another thing to be able to do it on a, especially on a long, you know, protracted cancer experience to try and keep your immune system up by staying positive and giving yourself a role that continues and continues but feeds you. And a lot of people don't know how to do that. Yeah. And this is what I'm proposing. And I think it's, it's, a, you know, it's gaining traction. Um, and yeah, I, I, feel like, I feel like medicine and technology and creativity as, a, as a, this amazing trifecta mm. are really going to transform 
how how humans heal themselves together with practitioners. Mm. And it's changed the way we do medicine as well because, I mean, patients have got access to Google. They've got yeah. access to uh, my blog and all sorts of other things. I mean, you can't – gone are those days when patients were just, oh, I'm the doctor, you listen to me, and you do this. Yeah. Gone are those days. Even people in the most far-out places. I know through my blog I've had um, contact with patients from Trinidad, from India, asking questions wow. about HIV. And, you know, people out yeah, there incredible. are looking stuff up. Yeah, yeah. And they, people, and that's the thing is there is this amazing audience that are almost gagging for, for information mm. and, and, and ways and techniques and other ways that they can. I think what, what was, I mean, I don't want to call it lucky, but what was, what was um, beneficial of having, having cancer for me was that I was faced with, look, this is, this is serious stuff. You know, yeah. I had a, I had a, a three-year-old daughter and a one-year-old son yeah. when I had this thing. And, and then suddenly I was faced with, you know, I might not be around. Mm. And and as a creative director, one of my jobs, one of my roles, the reason I'm in this, was in this business is because I love solving problems. Mm. So I had this problem that I needed to solve and I needed to do something. And in doing that, I built this, almost this structure, this platform of ideas that helped me to stay upbeat and I think that's now what I've got, and that's what the thing I want to share with other people, so they can go, ah, oh, okay, yes, okay, I can do this. Yeah. Yes, and I think your your um, your advice about um, doing talks, I think, it is a great idea because it is something that is linked to the first iteration of being told that you've got. Yeah. You've got a, whether it's HIV or or. Um, Cancer. Yeah, that first that first consultation, delivery, that, the yeah. delivery of of the disease of the of the diagnosis of the disease, makes yeah. all the difference. And just going back to your experiences, Con, I mean, were you hospitalized for long periods of time? Like, what did you go through? Well, I think uh, the the most intense one was was, the, and what a lot of people don't realize is that. So you have. Well, I had my two my two brain surgeries. Mm-hmm. They were kind of within three days and I was in ICU during that time and then obviously some days after that. But then once they've got, they got as much of the tumor out of my brain as they could, mm-hmm. um, then that, that, that sample of matter is sent to the lab to be tested. Yeah, to pathology, to see, yeah. Yeah, to see what kind of cancer it is. You know, if it's non-malignant, then it's all fine. Then you've got the tumor out and you can just go home. Um, and then if it's, if it's malignant, then it's a whole different story. Then you, you've got to send, send that malignant, uh, that material to see what kind of cancer it is. Exactly. And then how, and what stage are you? What treatment and what stage yeah. and what, you know, what, and then, then you, then you obviously meet up with your oncologist if it is malignant. And that's, yeah, so that wait, which was, I think it was five days at yeah. And I've, I've actually, you know, I mean, those were heavy five days. I remember going through a lot of, a lot of emotional and um, personal um, dealings with myself, mm-hmm. realizing what was important because, you know, you had to wait to see whether it came back as non-malignant, which was great, or it would come back, you know, was it the 50-50 type of cancer or was it the 30-70 cancer or was it the, well, you know, can't good mm-hmm. luck, they could Bye to your kids. You, you've got and it's hope for the best. Cancer. Yeah, yeah. And you, so you're trying to keep positive, but you're waiting to, to hear. So I, I, 
those five days were pretty heavy in the hospital. And then after you, you know, so I, I can't remember exactly how many. It was, you know, a week or two. Yeah. And then, and then it was, then it was a matter of working with my oncologist on ways to get through all of the treatments. Mm. And those treatments are, are heavy, you know. They they really take you down. The chemotherapy and the radiation, which I did together for a while, yeah, um, were just too much. And I started uh, losing. There's so many different side effects when you do these things. And, yeah. And hence, preparing yourself is, is one thing that I did. But sometimes I was taken by surprise, um, like... I was, I was, I got this stuff called, uh, um, uh, oh, now I've forgotten the name of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, neuropathy. Um, oh, that's the tingling. Peripheral, okay. ma- peripheral yeah, neuropathy. Peripheral neuropathy. The tingling of the feet and the tingling yes. in the hands. They're like yes, pins and, and needles, but really, really yeah, bad. Yeah, and then if you, if you don't, if you don't do something about it quite fast, it becomes permanent. Yes. So there was, a period when I started getting these things and, and luckily I'd been warned about it from my, my oncologist. So we, we quickly changed my whole kind of cocktail of chemo and then took me took me out, out of chemo until I'd finished radiation because it all depends. And human bodies are and, and humans are so unique and individual. Everybody operates differently. Some people um, some people handle chemotherapy well, other people don't. Yeah, you know, I was—I think I was kind of middle of the road. I, I was nauseous and sick and stuff, but I had seen people who were far worse than me, mm. and other people who sail through it. All just depends, and I think this is also in a medical space where we're going to is how we're starting to see humans as individuals and almost creating a a a, a, a tailor-made um, tailor-made treatment plan mm. for them. And I think the more we do that, the more successful we'll be. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not enough to, to, to accept that a patient has peripheral neuropathy. Cause I mean, I remember seeing a patient in, in, when I was working in Soweto. He used to come yeah. to clinic to fetch his ARVs, cause the ARVs, some ARVs have the same effect, the same side effect. Yeah. He'd come in woolly slippers. And I, I, I know, you know, you know these woolly slippers that we all, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I mean, <laughs> I have quite a The ones with the little rabbit ears. <laughs> No, when no, I can't. No, no, no. The, I know the quilted when ones. <laughs> the quilted ones. So we all love them. The ones with the rabbit ones. <laughs> anyway, this man came to the clinic in woolly slippers. And I remember yeah. saying to the nurses, what, can I see his file? I opened his file. He, has peripheral, he had peripheral neuropathy and he'd had it for quite a few months. And I said to them, which man in his right mind would leave his house in woolly slippers? This guy's situation is serious. Can you up his drugs? Can you change his medication? You know, cause it's, yeah. it's little things like that. You know, yeah, we have to yeah, look beyond things. what the patient tells us. So just that yeah. observation I'd made that he's walking from his house in the streets in to the clinic in his slippers. Jeez. That is how bad this peripheral neuropathy is. And we yeah, change his like medication. A, you're like a detective. You're like a medical detective. <laughs> you you're have like, to mm, be. Why yeah. are those? Yeah, well, that's great. Exactly. You have but it's to true. Be. I mean, there are things that just come up. Like one of the things that I wasn't expecting, which yeah. was so debilitating for me, was that because of the, the radiation, the double dose of radiation to the back of my brain, which is where the tumor was, yeah. the extra dose of radiation came out the front and burned my taste buds away for oh a month and a Gucci. half. For oh a month and a half, word. I couldn't taste a thing. Zero. Nothing. And can't... Uh, People have no appreciation exactly. of taste buds. You don't You're know. That people have no idea how important no, pleasure, your taste buds are. The pleasure you get from eating something it's or drinking something, and when you don't have it, it is, it is, it is really depressing. Wow. Because there's no, and you're feeling sick because of the chemo. 
you're vomiting a lot, and you're feeling nauseous all the time, your hair is gone, and you, you're kind of thinner than usual, and you're cold, and now you can't taste a damn thing. Nothing. Sure. Nothing. It, it, it was like eating cardboard. Mm. And my wife, my wife was just pushing these, um, these smoothies uh, down my throat, and it just, I couldn't taste a thing. It was terrible. It was really depressing. And that's, again, like you said, I don't think people realize the, geez, how, how amazing it is just to taste. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, con. Okay, so we'll be back after this um, short cool. break, and when we come back, I want to go more into the app and and you know who developed it, how it's working, and also is it going to be um, across languages? Because you know South Africa is a very vast country with different you know different um, groups of people and so on. Yeah. Okay, so we'll be back after this break. Cool. I am the future of South Africa. On my shoulders, I carry the hopes and dreams of generations to come. I'm eager to learn, but even more eager to use my knowledge for good. I know that it's not where I come from, but where I'm going to that really matters. At Sibanya Gold, we believe our youth is worth its weight in gold, which is why we are so committed to developing, nurturing, and grooming our young people into future leaders. Sibanya Gold, we are one. Get a taste of the Republic of Extra Cold at the Embassy event on the 27th of June at Nasrick, Johannesburg. This epic event will raise the flag for extraordinary experiences with Boys and Bucks, Casper Nyoves, and many more. With only 4,000 tickets on offer, get yours now for only 200 rand at CompuTicket or visit castlelight.co.za for more information on the coolest event this winter. Unlock Extra Cold Refreshment. Enjoy responsibly. Not for sale to persons under the age of 18. Cliff Central. Unreal, uncensored, unradio. Clipcentral.com. Well, we're back on the Health Hour. My name is Dr. Cindy Fansail. You can catch me on Twitter, D-O-C-S-I-N-D-I. And I'm chatting to Con Bertish, who um, has developed an app called the Cancer Dojo. And he's talking us through his experiences with surviving cancer. And I must tell you, it's always so humbling to to have a person like Con articulating stuff that we take for granted as as medical practitioners. I really, it's such a blessing for me to be do, to do this show and have conversations with people who've experienced so much. So um, basically, with Con, he was diagnosed with um, a, a very rare brain cancer, and he was telling us about how you know he went into surgery and you know he had a brain tumor at the back of his at the back of his um, um, head, and the radiotherapy. Messed up his taste buds. So that just before we went for the break, he was busy telling us about that and how he lost his hair and how he lost weight. And for us, um, it, yeah, as I said, it's really quite an experience to, to, to hear it from someone else's point of view. And when I say someone else, I mean a person that's not a healthcare prof- um, professional. And I mean, what's interesting for me is that technology, I know with my own work has really changed the way I do medicine. I mean, I know that clients come to me, they already have knowledge. They have access to the internet. They have access to WebMD. I know Gareth's always, you know, Googling his symptoms. And you can't mess patients around anymore. You really can't afford to talk nonsense to them because you need to, you know, you need to know what they're reading about. You need to stay up to date and you need to make sure you're offering the best service. So a, an, an app like Cancer Dojo really sounds like something that will benefit society in a big way, you know. And especially, I'm especially interested in how it's going to benefit people that are, you know, in the rural areas, would it be available in a different, you know, in the, in the different languages? Because that's also important. Communication is very important. I mean, I know that with my with my blog, I can I can I can speak Zulu, I speak Shona, I can speak a bit of Sutu, so I'm able to communicate across those platforms. But you know, it'll be interesting to know from Con 
how he plans on having this in different um different languages and also the funding like who's paying for this where is it you know where is he getting his funding from who's helping him and so on so that's going to be really really interesting but yeah if you've just tuned in this is dr cindy fansale on the health hour and um you can yeah you can message us at cliffcentral.com or you can call us on 86 i have a question here from from um i got a message on wechat and um Nora max says that hi so when drives are put in place like wear pink t-shirt wear pink t-shirt sports fixtures fixtures how does it actually raise cancer awareness? I'm sure 80% of the world know what cancer is. Okay, so basically, um, Nurimak, thanks for your message. Um, different cancers, okay, we have cancer ribbons. So different cancers have got different colored ribbons. Okay, so breast cancer has got the pink ribbon and then, um, I can't even remember all of them, but there's a whole, I had a whole picture with all the colored ribbons on it. So if you're wearing, you, you've bought a pink t-shirt. To, to raise awareness for breast cancer. The money that you've paid for that T-shirt is going to go towards cancer, cancer research, cancer awareness, cancer everything. So it's all about buying the product with the color ribbon or of that particular color, and then, then those funds go and get used for that. So that's why we wear pink shirts and stuff at um, at these sports fixtures. Okay, so Con, welcome back. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So let, let's just talk about your app in more detail, Cancer Dojo. First of all, where did the name come from? And then secondly, who's developing it for you? And, um, yeah, let's, yeah, let's just cover those two issues first of all. Super. So, um, so the name Cancer Dojo came from the idea of a dojo. So a dojo is a traditional Japanese martial arts, meditation arts, um, um, exercise, a place where people connect their minds to their bodies and they exercise. And that's kind of the, the, the way that I, I dealt with my cancer. And it's, it's a great way that, that enables people. It's a place where people can connect with themselves and actually do work, mm. physical work, mental work. Um, and I really like that idea because it, it kind of, one of the things that, that's, that's informed this whole approach is, is, you know, we hear about mindfulness and how to basically who you are in the world and connect your mind to your body. But mm. what I want to do is I want to debunk the kind of lofty, loftiness of mindfulness and do it in a way which becomes easy. It becomes something that I, that I want to do because it's engaging and it's fun and it's, it's not such a heavy, weighty thing. Because it shouldn't be. And I think it's, a lot, I think it's, it's at the heart of approaching something that is, confusing and hard to do and trying to create steps and platforms and techniques that makes it much more user-friendly for humans, like humanize medicine to a point or humanize this, this mindfulness process just in a way that makes it doable for your average person. Mm. And I think one of the insights into into, hum- into people going through this process was was during my treatments, I began a process of doing little portraits of people that I met along the way because I, you know, I, I studied archaeology and sociology at UCT and I'm really interested in how humans behave. Um, and one of the, that's one of the reasons I've been in communication for so long, yeah. trying to understand how best to communicate with people. And and I started doing these portraits, and I actually did about 140 of them. Different people that I met along the way. Some were in, take, you know, getting bloods. Others were, you know, in the in the um, oncology wards. 
and others were friends coming to visit. Some of them were outside. And what I noticed was that people weren't involved. They weren't in as much as I was. They didn't have a role. Mm. Um, and a lot of it came down to um, the insight around what I've been doing is that most people in the world are not visual thinkers. Mm. They just aren't. They aren't visual thinkers. Nothing in their lives demands that they be visual thinkers. We are provided, especially now, with visual stimulus on multiple different screens and, 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 and platforms. But, but actually, to create something that doesn't exist visually, that's what, that's what I've been doing and a lot of creative people in South Africa do and naturally. But most people don't do that. That's what we know from our audience. They're just not visual thinkers, so we have to provide the visuals. So part of the nub of Cancer Dojo is to provide people with the visual stimulus that will enable them to go, oh, okay, I, oh, okay, that's what it looks like. So mm. pr- basically creating imagery and animation that brings parts of the body to life in a way that people can engage with it, in a way that they can't do themselves. Because most people can't just make something that's invisible visible. Yeah. That's, but that's where creative people can. And this is where I'm getting a lot of assistance from the um, South African creative industry as well as internationally. So what I've done in the last few months is I have worked with a range of different partners and uh, from Quirk, who are a digital agency, my ex-agency, together with JWT Global, um, as well as with photographers, filmmakers, giant films, ink productions. All these people have come to me because the thing, just like AIDS, is that we're all affected by it. Cancer yeah. is a is it affects everyone. It doesn't doesn't just affect people who are diagnosed with cancer. Exactly. It affects all of their family and all their friends and their children. And it we're all affected by this thing. So there are a lot of people who want to get involved and assist, which is great. Um, so the app will literally be something that brings parts of the body to life in a non-threatening. Um, way, and then using the skills and the psychologies of potentially of gaming and digital interaction, yeah, create a, a longer-term um, approach so that it's something that you can use on a on a on a regular, daily basis. And obviously, the use of the use of smartphones as well as feature phones for our our you know, our main market, South Africans, although it's growing, but there's still a, a very big need for a feature phone version of something. And again, I'm still, to be honest, Dr. Cindy, I'm looking at, I'm looking at almost different conversations when it comes to main market South Africans mm-hmm. um, because the conversation is different. And a lot of it is affected by stigma, which is very similar to AIDS. Mm. Cancer has a very similar stigma in terms of in terms of if you've got cancer, um, many people still view it as a death disease. Yeah. So they don't want to come too close to you mm. because it might rub off on them. And obviously, there are a whole lot of issues around that. Whether it's maybe you've done something wrong, or mm. or I don't know, have you somebody's I don't know. You know, it could there's witchcraft. I don't know. Religion, witchcraft. There's so Religion, many things around yeah, it. Yeah, it's very heavy. So, in terms of the different messaging, um, because as a creative director, that's one of the key things is 
when you're speaking to different people, different audiences, make sure you're speaking the right, not only in the right voice, but make sure you're speaking with the right message. Like, what are you trying to, 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 to create? So I think I'm actually working on two different models of, of the Cancer Dojo. One that, one that deals specifically with stigma and the belief that, it, you know, you can't survive cancer mm. because it's this death disease. And that is, that creates a, a major vicious cycle of, of people being diagnosed late, getting sent to, you know, to the baraguanas of the world and then, you know, getting fed back into the, uh, going back to Alex after waiting for five hours. Yeah, and then feeling nauseous because you've got you've had you've had chemo, and you're feeling sick, and then you get sick, and then you come back into the touch, and people walk away from you because they don't want to catch it, and they don't understand and, what you're going through, why you've lost it. your hair, and so yeah, on, yeah, know. they think, oh no, I don't want to hang with him, you yeah. know, he's, I don't want to pick that up, yeah. I don't want to catch it. So there's a, this, you know, even that. So that, I mean, it's just incredibly hard to 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 survive cancer when a community is considering you an outlier and and telling you you're going to die yeah. because it's a death disease. Mm. So that is a big, that's a big piece of communication that I need to tackle and there are, there are supporters on that and I'm working on a, on a version for that, for that messaging. Okay. Because it can be done. It really can. No, absolutely. I mean, look, you, you, you're doing it. And, and I'm doing it, you, yeah, yeah. And because exactly. you experience this, you, under, you grasp the power of what, of what you're working with, um, Con. And in terms of languages, um, at the moment it's in English, right? At the moment, look, so, so the, and, and it's a very good question because I'm dealing with this myself, is so one of the key things to pulling this whole thing off, and it's, it's going to happen because it's, this is what I've dedicated myself to doing, but there still are major hurdles that need to be overcome. So one of them is is obviously to create what I'm what I'm what we are building. It takes a lot of funds. It takes a hell of a lot of funds yeah. because it's not just a traditional app where you can have a little app and it's got information on it. That's fine. You can build those things. But what I need to create is I'm building things which have to be engaging and bring something that is very scary to life in a way that is not scary become something I want to inter- interact with because it's beautiful and interesting, which involves a hell of a lot of animation um, and phew, technology. And when it comes to different audiences, um, yeah, then it, it, it all just becomes funding. So I'm mm-hmm. working on a beta version of this thing. Once I've got a beta version, it's a hell of a lot easier to get support from whether it be government or corporates or other brands. Okay. You know what I mean? And then you go, cool. You see how this, this beta version, this kind of 1.0 model, which works. Yeah. You see how powerful this thing is? Now, imagine we do this in Posa or Zulu or, or Sutu. Yeah. Or imagine we do this now. We don't even look at South Africa. We just go, we just go the whole of Africa. Yeah. Because stigma, for instance, is an African thing. And it's not only Africa. There's the same stigma exists in Central and South America and mm. in Asia. Mm. So, you know, Suddenly, and that's what I'm building towards is a model which works that I can then get a more national and then potentially global support to to build this thing further. Absolutely, and we'll be right behind you all the way. 
<laughs> and just back to you, so back to your personal life. I mean, your family life. Um, I mean, how old are you now? How old are your kids? How's it, how's it going generally? What's your day to day life like? Are you still in treatment? What's happening? No, no. So in 2013, my oncologist. Dr. Garth Davids leaned across the desk after one of my, 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 um, because I go for MRI scans every six months. I had one three days ago. Okay. Um, he leaned across the desk and he said, Con, I'm proud to say I think you could probably die from something else. Yeah. Which was great because I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> That's great. Um, but the reality is that when you have cancer, it, it's not a, you know, I, I can say that, yes, I've, I've survived cancer, but, you know, there's always a threat that has come back. Mm. So and that's also part of the tools that I'm building. It's all very well to go through your treatments, and then, you know, you, your your treatments are successful, but there's always, then you've got to sit with it, and you've got to keep living and keep keep living your life with the learnings that you've had. Yeah. But you're still under this this kind of, this threat that it might come back, it might come back, it might mm. come back. And, and that can be really debilitating as well because, because those treatments are so hectic on your body and the physical, the physical and emotional experience of going through such a heavy um, um, process that your immune system stays compromised for many, many, many years. Many years. Many, many years, many yeah. Years. I mean, they said, they said to me at the beginning, that my, my white blood cell count would never get back to normal again yeah. because of all of the stuff. Yeah. My, I'm very proud to say my, my white blood cell count is stronger than it was when I got cancer now. Mm. And I, 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 I kind of think that my approach helped me do that. And yeah. this is, this is, and then a lot of doctors are, are, are backing me up there and saying, oh, you know, this, even the most staunch doctors are saying this approach, it can only do good. Mm. It can't do anything negative. Other doctors say, you know, it does more. It does all these things. It does more. It taps into the psychoneuroimmunology. And it, it, it. But a positive mindset is beneficial, really is. It, it provides a more positive outcome. And, and, it's, and, and I think this is the thing is that people take for granted that everybody can just do it. Be, a, be more positive. Oh, yeah, be more positive. But how? How do you? How? These are, there are ways, there are techniques to do that. Yeah, yeah that, this is so. This is such a fantastic initiative, Con. I, I really, yeah, I'm really impressed. I really am because oh, you're putting. You, you, <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> you're putting <laughs> the power back in the patient's hands, and I mean, yeah, I call, I, yeah, I call myself a patient rights activist. I think I was, you know, I was in the system, and the system yeah. chewed me up and spat me out, and I'm, I'm now on the other side of the fence. My whole thing is, you know what? Give the patients all the power they need to to you know yeah. to make their lives better. You know, that's exactly. that. Yeah. And so it's just so great to, 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 you know, to come across a person like you that's doing all of this and more. And, um, and just in terms of where we can find you, Con, I want as much information as I can get from you. Okay, where do we cool. find you, your website, everything? I think, yeah, that's cool. So um, I'm lucky enough to have a very strange name, Con Burtish. So you can Google me to see what stuff I'm up to. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is to, to, to fund the project, and we do, we need a lot of funds, um, is you can go to thunderfund.com and that's, Thunder with a U, Thunder with an A, so T-H-U-N-D-A, fund.com mm-hmm. forward slash Cancer Dojo. Okay. Otherwise, you could just Google org, and you'll see us. And there's a video there that explains 
the thinking behind the app. And it's me and a wall, and I'm scrolling stuff on the wall and trying to talk to camera while I'm scrolling on the wall and not fall off the ladder that I'm standing on. That is so fantastic. But it's cool. That <laughs> yeah. is so fantastic. And just, you know, just in closing, is there anything that you want to say to us, you know, to the listeners, anything special that you want to say to us, Con? Yeah, I think, I think, I think we need to, we need to try and, people must understand that there is a global shift towards empowering yourself. And it's not who do guru, spiritual, don't get lost in all of that. There is real power in understanding your body and seeing yourself not as two things, your head and your body as separate things. Yeah. If you can see your body and your, your mind as one thing and keep monitoring it, talk to your body, check it out, you, whatever, you, you may think that you look silly, but you're, you're not. You, you've, got to, you've got to appreciate what you've got in your, in your physicality, being able to speak, being able to move. Even just, I remember going through um, chemo and just thinking, oh, yeah, all I want to be is normal. I don't want to be special. Aww. I just want to be normal again. I just want to be able to stand up and not feel terrible. You know, I just want to, you know, and I think people take for granted it's the human gene, which we forget yeah. how amazing it is just to be able to, to roll on your back or to stand tall or to walk with strides, you know, I mean, that, these are amazing things. Mm. And the more that we can appreciate that by actually physically feeling our body doing these things and paying homage to who we are and, and what you put in your body and what you take out of your body, just to be, and again, this is this mindful word, but don't, you don't have to do it in a spiritual way. It doesn't have to be this big lofty thing it can just be me it's just you so how can you connect with yourself better you'll be a, a, a happier healthier person that's amazing thank you so much con thank you thanks doc it's great to meet you <laughs> thank you so much enjoy your public holiday tomorrow i will thank okay you. take care great thank you and i'll see you guys next week cliffcentral.com